the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. All of us, our worst enemy is us. We make bad decisions. And the Bible says that we will reap what we sow. Welcome to Core Truth Radio, a radio ministry of Core Church Los Angeles with pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn. Pastor Steve will be teaching the Word of God with truth right from the Bible. For more information, go to corechurchla.org. That's corechurchla.org. Today we have a special message titled, Failing to Remember. Let's jump right in. Have you ever failed to remember something? Of course you have. I mean, from forgetting a meeting to taking out the trash, it just happens. We forget things, you know, that we've been asked to do. But there is one thing that's worse than us forgetting to do something. It's literally being forgotten by others. Yes, I think we've all also have been forgotten at some point in our lives. You know, maybe it was a family member or a special person in your life and they forgot your birthday or or some other significant day in your life. Yes, I'm sure those two things have happened to us all. Number one, we have forgotten to do things. And number two, we have been forgotten by others at some point. Well, with that in mind, this is Thanksgiving weekend, as you know. It's a major holiday for us Americans. It's a day set apart for family and close friends. It's a time to indulge in an overabundance of food. Then go sit in front of a football game, followed by a power nap in the mid-afternoon. And why is that? Because we ate a week's worth of food in one sitting. And I tried to do that myself, of course. My wife always makes turkey on Thanksgiving. Well, that's just the, 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 the thing that you do. But this one was different. I mean, out of 42 turkeys I've made from this woman, not that I've made, that she's made, it's like this one, she took this dry rub. She made this rub out of all these different spices, okay? She mixes them all together. Nothing that she just bought off the shelf. I mean, she created this mix of all these different spices, and she's rubbing this 23-pound turkey, and then she let it just sit for like a whole day, just let it absorb into this turkey. Then she cooks it, and it was so moist. It's like it was melting on your tongue because you ever had turkey that was so dry? Okay. It's like you're, you're, you know, pushing out feathers or something, but not this turkey. It was so moist. It was just like, it just melt like a filet mignon on your tongue. Okay. Enough of that. Okay. But you get the point. It was incredible. But But what is Thanksgiving really all about is the question. Is it just a feast that we just get revved up for Christmas? That's why it's followed by Black Friday, right? So we can all go out and fight the crowds looking for those crazy deals. How many here went off on Black Friday deals? Okay, admit it, admit it. I did. Okay, see how, okay, we got a few. Okay, yeah, Regina, you too. Okay, so I go out and I go to Home Depot. Now, normally I'm up at like five in the morning. I get there when they open at six. I'm like, no, I'm not going to do that this time. So I didn't get there till like eight. 
And thank God I didn't get up early. So I'm looking for all the great deals. Like, where's the deals? I walk up and they got the, they got the fiberglass ladders on sale for $81. Like, that, that's not a deal. <laughs> like, is that the Black Friday deal? No, two years ago you had the six-foot fiberglass ladder on sale for 20 bucks. That was a good deal. Don't tease me with 81 bucks. Like, that's not speaking to me, okay? And so, anyway, I didn't buy anything. I'm just like, wow, okay, so so much for Black Friday. Get rid of that. See, Thanksgiving is supposed to be so much more than it's been celebrated here lately because it's been going on for hundreds of years. Yet many here in America have lost the magnitude of the real meaning of our holidays. Thanksgiving's become a four-day weekend to get out of work and eat huge amounts of food. It's also the official start of Christmas, which is no longer Christmas. It's now just a happy holiday. You know, it's like, it's a winter break now, a winter break that usually yields much time off and tons of presents, which leads to Easter, which is no longer Easter. Now it's just part of spring break, you know, where once again, people take time off and get out of town. But wasn't... There a real purpose originally for all of these holidays in the first place? Something more than just another you know, break uh, from work or school? And the answer is a resounding yes. Consider Thanksgiving in the year 1621. A new people known as pilgrims were living in a new land. They had escaped England to a place of religious freedom. That's what started people coming here, to have religious freedom to worship God any way they wanted to, to a place that would later be known as the United States of America. Little did these pilgrims know that they were the forefathers of what would become the most powerful nation on planet Earth. Yet for them, they only wanted to set aside a day to give thanks to the God of heaven. For what? For the very food that set before them, food that they had harvested in their first harvest, in this abundance, in this new land that they came to. Just the fact that they had survived one year to that point was enough for them to drop to their knees with thanksgiving to Almighty God. Most of us haven't had to really go hungry. In fact, here in America, we know how to eat, okay? If it wasn't for the fact that I have a good metabolism, I'd be on that show 600-pound life or something, okay? But anyway, this Thanksgiving was so much more than about a meal. When it came to our very first president, George Washington, he proclaimed the first nationwide Thanksgiving celebration. This is what he said a hundred and some odd years later on November 26, 1789. George Washington said, quote, a day of public Thanksgiving and prayer to be observed by acknowledging with grateful hearts the many and signal favors of Almighty God, end quote. Boy, could you imagine President Biden saying that today? Probably not, and at least not meaning it. So here's George Washington like, man, we've got to thank Almighty God for our nation. Abraham Lincoln, our 16th president, made this the first Thanksgiving proclamation. 
a proclamation about a, from a president is an official public announcement. And he made it on October 3rd, 1863. And he said this, all Americans should set apart the last Thursday of November as a day of thanksgiving. He said, quote, I do therefore invite my fellow citizens in every part of the United States to set apart and observe the last Thursday of November as a day of thanksgiving, praise to our Father who dwelleth in heaven. And I remembered, uh, and I recommend them to offer up the ascriptions justly due to him for such signature deliverances and his blessings, end quote. Wow. I mean, this is what our forefathers, our founding fathers were saying. President Lincoln saw the need for us as Americans to be thankful. He saw a need for us to praise the God of heaven who made it possible for us to have our sins forgiven. But it wasn't until December 26, 1941, that President Franklin Delano Roosevelt made the fourth Thursday of November by a federal legislation the official day of Thanksgiving, a national holiday. And notice he did that in 1941. We were in the thick of World War II. We had no idea of the outcome. Japan was crushing at that point. And, of course, Germany was all over Europe. And it didn't look like there was going to be a good outcome to this at all. And that's why he said we need to stop and get on our face and pray to the God of heaven. Today, we're going to consider three points with that as a backdrop, front of our title here, failing to remember. Number one, crying for mercy. Haven't we all cried out for mercy at some point? Haven't we cried out to the God of heaven to help us, to touch us? Number two, we're going to look at stopping to praise. Stopping to just say, oh God, thank you for what you've done. And number three, loving the forsaken. God always loves those who are forsaken in this world. Those that have been kicked to the curb, those that have been looked over, he always loves those. Well, let's look at our first point, crying for mercy, as we read together in Luke chapter 17, verse 11. He says, now while he, this is Jesus, of course, while Jesus was on the way to Jerusalem, he was passing between Samaria and Galilee, as he entered a village, ten leprous men who stood at a distance met him. And they raised their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests as they were going, they were cleansed. Wow, we'll stop there for a moment. Now, notice in verse 11, Jesus was traveling between Samaria and Galilee on his way to Jerusalem. Now, Jesus liked going through Samaria, yet this was odd for a Jew to do this, to go through Samaria. You might say, well, why is that? Because the Samaritans were Jews that were captured by the Assyrians back in 722 BC. They were moved to Samaria with other various nations. 
Now, while the Jews were there, mixed with all these other various nations, they started intermarrying with these Gentiles. And because of that, they were considered now half-breeds, sellouts. They were considered unclean because they tainted their pure bloodline. Thus, they were abandoned and they were forsaken by the other Jews. They were not allowed to marry back into Jewish families, for they had again tainted their bloodline. So they were restricted from all social interactions with the other Jews. It was even forbidden for a Jew to even mention the name Samaritan. It was considered contemptible. Yet Jesus had a very different look at the Samaritans. He had a compassionate heart towards them, as he does for every race and every nationality. The Bible tells us in Colossians 3.11, like it does in many other places, that there is no distinction between a Gentile and a Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, but Christ is all and he is in all. That is, he is in all those who desire to have them in their life. As you know, Jesus says, I stand at the door of your heart and I knock. And if you'll allow me to come in, I'll come in and sup with you. So it doesn't matter if you're a Jew or a Gentile. He wants to come in. And so he makes that very clear in his word. Yes, Jesus purposed in his heart to go through Samaria. He reached out to this hated and despised people. As you remember, in John chapter 4, Jesus was again going through Samaria, and there he met a woman at the well. We only know her as the woman at the well, and it appeared that she was an outcast to her own people. So imagine the Samaritans on a whole are an outcast, but she's an outcast within the outcast. So you could say that she is the least of the least as a Samaritan woman. She was a woman of scorn. Now, why was she a woman of scorn? Because she had been married and divorced multiple times. And the person that she was living with, her boyfriend, well, that was just a boyfriend. It wasn't her husband at all. Yet when she came face to face with Jesus at that well at noontime, she not only walked away changed within her own soul, But God used her as an instrument, as a conduit in leading her entire village to Christ. Now, here we are today as Jesus passed through Samaria once again here in Luke chapter 17. And he's confronted by this group of men who stood at a distance. Now, again, why are they standing at a distance? Because they have leprosy. Leprosy was a disease that attacked the skin. It was like a flesh-eating disease. There was no cure for it. And it would literally just start eating your fingers off, just eating your skin. It would just work your way up as your hands. It would just, your flesh would start falling off of your body. And it was a slow and miserable death. And there was nothing that they could do. So they were defiled by this flesh-eating disease. They were living tormented lives of total humiliation, for it was required of them to live outside of the city. Listen to what the law of God has written in the Pentateuch, the Torah, the law of God. It says in Leviticus 13.45, it says, those who suffer from leprosy, they must tear their clothing, 
They must leave their hair uncombed and they must cover their mouth and cry out, unclean, unclean. Imagine that. If you have leprosy, you are ostracized from your family, from society, from culture. You're put aside. And then if you're just walking down the road and someone's coming up to you, you have to like 20, 30 feet away. You got to cover your mouth and you got to cry out to them, unclean, unclean, so that they stand back. And then when they see you, oh my goodness, they got leprosy. And you just walk all the way around them. They couldn't interact again with people. They couldn't interact with their own families. So they cried out to Jesus, have mercy on us. We're sick of this lifestyle. We're sick of being the aloneness here. Have mercy on us. They were begging Jesus for relief from this disease. They were looking for some kind of a miracle, you could say. They were seeking Jesus for deliverance. They were lost. They were forgotten. And they were for sure forsaken. Their plight was one of great misery. The reality of their situation was what? It was death. And it wasn't going to happen fast. It was going to be a slow, miserable, painstaking death as they literally rotted on their own skeleton. And then they would just simply fall over and die. These men must have heard about Jesus. Jesus was the most popular topic of conversation of the time. They must have heard of all the things that he had done. The prophet who spoke like no other prophet, who healed the sick, who made the blind see, the lame walk. Some even said that he's raised people from the dead. Well, once they saw Jesus, oh my goodness, that's him? That's the one that we've heard about? Instead of crying out, unclean, unclean like they were supposed to do, they cried out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. That word master in the original language means chief commander. Chief commander. They recognized Jesus as the master above every disease. They, they imagine Jesus as, as the master over every problem in every circumstance. I wonder if Jesus is our master. I wonder if he's our master commander. I wonder if he's our chief commander. I wonder if like these leprous men, you know, do we see Jesus as he truly is? Do we see him as the king of all kings, the Lord of all lords, able to intervene no matter what impossible circumstance that we might be facing today? Do we see him like that? No matter how tormented our heart might be, no matter how hopeless our life might seem, remember the Bible is a treasure chest of promises for us as believers. Listen to Psalm 31, 24. It says, be strong and let your heart take courage, all you who hope in the Lord. See, you can only be strong. You can only take your courage in the Lord if your hope is in the Lord. Because if your hope is not in the Lord, if you're not a born-again Christian, then this promise is not for you. You cannot grab onto that and say, no matter what my circumstance, no matter what my brokenness, I know that my God can fix it. 
No, you can't say that unless the Lord is your stronghold. But maybe someone here might say, well, pastor, it all sounds good, but you don't know where I've been. My life has been a disaster. But listen to what the God of creation has to say to you in your disastrous life. Joel 2.25 says, Then I will make up for you for the years that the swarming locust has eaten, the years that the creeping locust has eaten, the years of the stripping locust and the gnawing locust. Whatever has been eaten in your life, whatever has ravaged your soul, whether it's from things that were outside of your control that came in with circumstances and completely changed the trajectory of your life, or whether it was you. Because with all of us, our worst enemy is us. We make bad decisions. And the Bible says that we will reap what we sow. And so maybe you have made horrible decisions in your life and now you're reaping it. Oh, maybe you blame this and I blame my parents. I blame the way I was raised. I blame the United States. I blame this. And and there's about everything that you can blame. But ultimately, we make bad decisions. And when we're honest with ourselves, sometimes we are our own worst enemy. And yet in those times, God is saying, no matter what has happened, God can redeem. I can make up those years, he says. God can make up for us all the years that the locusts have eaten in our lives. The one that's come and devoured on us. The one who has ravaged us. Amen. The one has come along and and licked up the leftovers. No matter what has happened in our life, all those things that have eaten a piece of us and eaten a part of our soul, eaten a part of our hope that we have inside, God says, I can make it up for you. No matter how many years, this, as you might guess, is an incredible portion of Scripture. Because God is saying that somehow, some way, I can step into your life and I can make all things new. Wow. Jesus had compassion on these lepers. And what did he say to them? He says, you go. You go right now. Show yourself to the priests. And as they went by faith, they were healed. As they started to go, as they listened to what he said, by faith, they were all healed. Notice how Jesus always desires us to move in faith. He told them, go. And they did. And they were healed. What if one of them would have said, well, I'm not going until I see that I'm healed first. Like, why would I go waste the priest's time if I'm not healed? So what if I just say, well, I'm going to wait here until I see healing and then I'll go. Well, if he would have said that, guess what? He would not have been healed. We have to move when God tells us to move. No matter if we see some result or we don't see some result. If God says move, we move. It was Naaman, the mighty warrior found in 2 Kings chapter 5. He was also afflicted with leprosy. He went to the prophet Elijah's house, as you know. Yet Elisha did not pray for him on the spot. In fact, Elisha was upstairs and did not even come downstairs to address this mighty warrior. He sent his servant out to talk to him. Yes, sir. Uh, Excuse me. Uh, I got a message for you from the big man. Uh, Wait, 
I'm Naaman. Don't you know who I am? I came on a long journey to see the prophet of God to heal me. Yeah, well, uh, he's busy. So I got a message for you. And it's like, well, what's the message? He wants you to go down to the Jordan River and dunk in it up and down seven times. He's like, what? The Bible says he was enraged. How could you, what? Like the man doesn't even come out and talk to me to my face after all this time? Don't you know who I am? Look at the 22s on my chariot. I've got money here and I've brought gifts. I want special treatment. The Bible says that he says, I thought that he would come out and wave his hands in the air. Isn't that what we expect? Don't we see that on television evangelists? Yes, come now in the name of Jesus. And they got the towel over their shoulder. They're wiping their head. And it's like, let me hit you with anointed water. Let me do this. Have some special thing. Isn't that what we're looking for? The special treatment. That's all the time we have for today's message. You've been listening to pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn of Core Church Los Angeles. If you'd like to hear more messages by Pastor Steve, download the Core Church Los Angeles free app. Available on iOS and Android. Core Church is sponsored by and a listener-supported outreach of Core Church LA. If you have been blessed by this program, consider supporting our radio ministry by texting Core Church LA one word, that's Core Church LA, to 77977. And remember, there's a God in heaven who loves you. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.